It's Friday, December 10th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, we've arrived at Gabriel Arias on our countdown of prospects on the Guardians 40-man roster. Uh, Arias was added to the roster on November 20th, along with a whole bunch of other guys. Uh, basically, they Cleveland turned over what, like, almost 20% of their, uh, their 40 man roster there, uh, in that, that time. And he's one of these, uh, middle infielder prospects that, that really is on the cusp of, of being in the major leagues at some point, uh, he's bound to make his debut at, at some point in the 2022 season. Uh, this kid is 21 years old, uh, 6'1", 217 pounds. And he spent the entire uh, 2021 season at uh, AAA last year for uh, for Cleveland. Yeah, definitely, uh, Joe. He, this was, uh, you know, part of uh, um, the International League draft that San Diego put together in 2016. They spent over uh, 78 million dollars on on that draft, and they paid him 1.9 million, and he. You know, all the draft uh, uh, gurus said he was the best player out of that, out of their draft class. So, you know, he comes with a kind of a high profile. uh, And listen to these numbers, Joe. This is the last, his last two full seasons. Now, he didn't play in 2020. So at 19, he was at high A with with the Padres. And this year, obviously, he he goes all the way up to triple A with uh, Columbus, with the Indians. In the last two years, in those two full seasons, he's hit a combined 294 with 50 doubles, seven triples, 30 homers, 130 RBIs, 126 runs, and 422 total bases. You know, uh, the Padres, the early scouting reports said, you know, this kid uh, is is very, very good defensively but uh, was having trouble, you know, uh, keeping his hand, you know, with his swing. His swing was, you know, left a lot of thing, lot to be desired. He wasn't getting his hands through the strike zone. He was wrapping his bat. And uh, I think it sounds like from those two num from the last two seasons, it sounds like he, he kind of found a solution to that. Right. And uh, really the sort of the eye test, we got to see uh, a lot of him in the exhibition season and, uh, at spring training last year, he was in major league camp with Cleveland and boy, at, at times it looked like he was the best hitter out there for the, uh, you know, for Cleveland, for Terry Francona. I, it was even a, a kid who had never even played a game at double at the double a level. And you were thinking maybe he had a chance to, if not make the team, at least join the team at some point last season, but they, they managed to, to give him the full year down at AAA and, and get that extra seasoning. And I think it really paid off. And, and he moved up to the, the number four spot on the, uh, the MLB pipeline uh, top 30 ranking for the, for Cleveland, uh, the Cleveland minor league system. So, I mean, this is a kid who made a, a major leap last year and he was, he played most of the season at 20 years old. Yeah. And uh, you know, baseball reference has a stat. They kind of, you know, they, by it's listed by age, you know, where, uh, where, where, you know, kind of where the player who is playing at that level, what, what the weighted average age 
is of his competition is. And the weighted average age of the competition that, uh, that Arias faced last year, he was 5.7 years younger than that. So think wow. about that. He was, he's 21 years old and, you know, putting up big, big time numbers, you know, against kind of, you know, triple a is like, you know, there's, there's veteran pitchers all over the place, you know? And, uh, so that, that, I think that says a lot about him. How, uh, you know, desperately do the guardians need his, not just his, uh, his ability to put the bat on the ball, which we saw in, in spring training last year, but, you know, he, he was able to hit for uh, a, a little bit of power as well. You know, it wasn't just uh, singles. He was hitting doubles and home runs, and he showed that at AAA last year as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, 37% of his, of his hits, of his 124 hits, went for extra bases. He had 29 doubles, four triples, 13 homers, you know, and uh, so, and uh, one, of the, one of the things about him, uh, you know, people were kind of, you know, a little critical of him is that he, you know, he chased a lot. Uh, and he struck out, you know, uh, you know, a, a number of times, but, uh, you know, he cut his strikeouts down from, uh, from f- to, uh, to 110 last year, uh, and his walks went up. So, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, it, it looks like, you know, he's starting to learn and, uh, He's making he's making the necessary adjustments that he has to make. I mean, his slash line was you know 284, 348, you know 454. So 348 on base percentage shows you know he you know he's cut down the strikeouts and he's getting on base a lot. Yeah, you're 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 up over eight eight hundred two. Uh, you're up over eight hundred with your your OPS. Uh, that's you know it's only a matter of time before you're going to be coming in and making your major league debut. Uh, what do you what do you think about his arrival time necessarily in Cleveland if they decide to keep him now now this is this is the situation if they like other guys in the organization more than Arius uh, I mean there's a possibility that they package him uh, we could say this about pretty much anybody in that group of of middle infielders you know that that they could be a trade chip here. Uh, you know a deal is coming as soon as this, this the CBA goes through. You know that the, the the Guardians are going to put together some sort of package to try and get a controllable outfield bat. Uh, does what Arias was able to do last year make him the most attractive trade piece that they have uh, among those middle infielders? Well, you know, that's a great point, Joe. I, I didn't really think about that. But, you know, you look at the numbers here, I mean, as – is he more, do you like him more than Owen Miller? Do you like him more than Jimenez who came over, you know, with in the Lindor deal from the Mets? I mean, you know, this is, you know, he's 21. Uh, he's put together two really solid seasons in the minors. Um, I don't know. Yeah. And, and, and do the Indians want to let him go or, or can you get a bit, you know, can you get the best deal by dealing him? Yeah. I, I think Arias might make, whatever trade you, you put together uh, more attractive to a team. Uh, if they're, if they're looking, it depends on, on what their needs are as well. I mean, if you're talking, uh, you know, the Mets or uh, the pirates, you know, they've, they've got shortstops, both of them. So I, uh, you never know it, but with his size, you could move him to third base. You could move him uh, anywhere you need to. I just, 
I just wonder, you know, what their evaluation of him is and, and what it, it really just keeping him down at AAA and letting him basically flex his muscles all last year yeah. uh, made him more attractive as a trade chip necessarily than as a prospect for you to, to keep. Now, it also, you know, just it begs the question, how much do how much in love with Ahmed Rosario are they after the season he put together last year at shortstop? And how short of a leash will they have on him, you know, if he opens the season uh, slumping? And he didn't necessarily open the season, uh, you know, all that hot last year. Uh, but if Ahmed Rosario shows signs of not being able to, to consistently perform at the level that he did last year, which was really good, uh, you know, do they start thinking about making a move there? Yeah, I, you know that I, you, you and me were on the same wavelength there. I was wondering, what do you do with, uh, you know, with uh, Rosario? Do you do you try to trade him? Is is there interest in him? And then you, you've got, you know, you've got the young guy sitting there, right there, with in areas uh, that can move into that spot. So, uh, you know, it's a good. I think it's a good position for the India uh, for the Guardians to be in. Um, you know, you've got a lot of prospects. You've got some some guys that are knocking on the door like Arias, definitely. The, the thing about Arias, Joe, listen, you know, he got better as the AAA season went along. Listen listen to these numbers. In April, he had 211 with seven RBIs, and it goes 286 with nine, nine. This is month by month. 286 with nine RBIs, 310 with 11, 387 with 10, I mean, 307 with 10 RBIs, and 325 with 18 RBIs in September. So, you know, this, that, that, that's hard to ignore. Yeah, I remember seeing highlights of him in, in September and thinking, wow, they might consider, you know, adding him and, and bringing him up uh, at the end of last season just to get his feet wet. But uh, probably a good decision not to start the clock on him at that point. Um, but now he's been added to this 40-man roster. He is, you know, part of this mix. And it, it signals that his, his arrival time will either be, it most likely be this year, uh, in 2022, but, uh, you know, definitely by 2023. Um, what, what do you think, where does he fit sort of in that, that ranking, that hierarchy of, uh, of those middle infielders? Do you, is he, a, a, a ahead of Rokio behind Rokio? I, I gotta, I gotta believe he's, he's a, a step or two above him because Rokio hasn't, uh, you know, re- reached, hasn't played much at AAA. Yeah, you know, Rokio, what? He played most of the, at, at most A of the and, season and double at high A, a and then he went up to double A, yeah. And uh, uh, and this kid is, you know, he's he's made the jump from high A to triple A and, and stayed there the full year. You know, they didn't even have to, you know, he had success there. So, um, you know, I think, you know, he's got to be kind of the head of, head of the class there. And, and uh, you know, so, I mean, but, you know, I, they have so many different guys to, to, to plug into that spot. Um, and we're yeah, forgetting about think, we're forgetting about Tyler Freeman as well. Who's, yeah, who's Freeman. Also, uh, you know uh, who uh, Owen uh, Owen Miller. You mm-hmm. know, so uh, you know you've got a lot of guys that that, that can uh, you know fill that gap. I and I was I was wondering, you know, like last season he made 80, 81 starts at short, seventeen at third, and nine at second base. So they're you know they're keeping his flexibility open, but. You know, there was one kind of um, uh, trend that that kind of jumped out at me. Um, 
you know, he, he, he does make some errors. He, and I don't know how, how much, uh, you know, how much uh, weight you put in errors. You know, some people, you know, think, uh, you know, it's just part of the game. But, you know, in, two, in uh, 2019, he made 107, 104 starts at short with 26 errors. That, that in winter ball that year, uh, he, he played 17 games and made eight errors. Uh, in 2018 at A ball, he he had 110 games and made 30 errors. I think he in um, this past season, I think he made like he didn't. I mean, I think he made like 17 errors this past season at short. So I don't I don't you know if that's just a growing thing. You know, yeah, gonna... I'm sure shortstops make errors. That's yeah. not going to be a, a a big deal at, at that level. But uh, I'll bet you if they start him this season, if if they if they hold on to him, if they start him this season at AAA, they're going to tell him to clean up. You know, that's the area that that's keeping him from being in the major leagues is probably that that defensive reliability. I think. Um, I, if I were looking into, you know, Tito's always talking about, you know, having a crystal ball and knowing the future and all that. Uh, if, if I were looking to the crystal ball, I would say Rosario and Jimenez are going to start the season as your, your middle infield combination. And at some point you, you see what Owen Miller, you Chang, those guys give you. And if they aren't giving you what you're looking for, you, you, you part ways with them and you, you got to see what what Gabriel Arias is going to give you at the at the major league level. I, I really think he makes his debut sometime after May. Definitely, yeah. And you know, I, I was I was wondering where where they would hit this kid, and um, probably you, at at the start of the year you probably hit him in a, if he when he gets to the big leagues you probably move him hit him to at the bottom of the order. But at at AAA this past season, you know he 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 made seventy six. He appeared in seventy six games. In the leadoff spot, hit three thirty three. Then in and then and and then in the second in the hit in second, he had three thirty eight. So maybe you know he's kind of a he could maybe well, be a top of the order hitter for you. Yeah, and I I, I doubt that uh, Tito would start him off there. Uh, you know, unless there was an injury or something like that. You've got him at Rosario to bat second, and you've got Miles Straw to bat first. Uh, he, he Miles Straw's your leadoff hitter, unless yeah. he's not out there. Um, so yeah, I would expect that the top, you know, three, four, five in Cleveland's batting order to, to remain the same this season. Uh, but you remember what Oscar Mercado did when, when he came up and saw the benefits of, of hitting between Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez. So, you know, it's a, it's a coveted spot right now. Any, anybody, anybody hitting one spot in front of Jose Ramirez, you yeah. seeing a lot more fastballs, uh, these days. So. Uh, very good. All right. Uh, moving on, uh, you know, we'd be remiss and we didn't really get into it uh, uh, the other day because it, it happened actually at the end of our uh, our podcast on Tuesday. But uh, Jack Graney, uh, the longtime Cleveland broadcaster, he was uh, an Indians player and went uh, from the field to the booth and was was one of the might have been the first, uh, you know, player to, to successfully make that transition to call play uh, to, to call the play-by-play -play, uh, from the radio booth for, for many years uh, in Cleveland. He's a, a beloved broadcaster. Uh, he was named the recipient of the Ford C. Frick Award, uh, which is the, the Hall of Fame, the Baseball Hall of Fame's uh, highest honor for a broadcaster. 
Uh, he's going into the hall this year. Uh, so there, there will be a, a Cleveland Indians player in the hall of fame this, this, uh, this year. Um, uh, you know, now that the, the Indians uh, name is no more. Yeah, definitely. Very interesting uh, guy. Uh, when you read about him, Joe, uh, Saber uh, did a great uh, uh, profile on him. Uh, you know, he, he was a, he came he made his big league debut, I think, in 1908 as a left-handed pitcher. And the wow. uh, legend goes that during spring training, um, he hit Nap Joy in the head. Nap Joy was, was was the player manager of the of uh, the the Indians slash Naps at that time. Hit him in the head during BP. And uh, LaJoy got mad at him and, and sent him, sent him to the minors. <laughs> uh, but, you know, he, he eventually, you know, he made it, he made his way back and then converted to the outfield and played 14 years there uh, in the outfield uh, and, uh, you know, made established himself. Uh, he was the first, first player to face Babe Ruth when Babe was a pitcher in 1914 for the, uh, for the Red Sox. And what, and the first player to wear a number on his, on his, uh, on his uniform, I guess maybe he was hitting leadoff. I'm not sure, but wow. he was, and uh, so interesting guy. And uh, yeah, definitely, you know, then he made the transition to, uh, to uh, uh, you know, the broadcast booth and, you know, there's a quote of him by him on, on the wall in uh, the Indians press room, press mm-hmm. dining room. I think it, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just kind of throwing it out there. Just, I think I just follow the ball and leave all the, fa- leave the fancy words to everybody else. Something like that. Right. Yeah. It's funny. Cause we, we sit there before every game, we sit in that room and eat and we don't even uh, notice the, the, the quote on the wall, but uh, we'll be sure to, to, you know, make note of it in the future. Um, Brainy, I, I think is, is he's sort of a, a, a beloved character in, in Cleveland then after his playing days, uh, he, how lucky have Cleveland baseball fans been to have, you know, a hall of fame guy like, uh, like Jack Graney, and then you go to Herb score and then you go to Tom Hamilton, you know, the, the, the guys that have called games here in, in, in Cleveland, uh, it's just, uh, it, it's a hall of fame group. Oh, it's great. It's a great group, uh, Joe. And, and uh, uh, Graney and Jimmy Dudley were partners and Jimmy Dudley is in the hall of fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a Ford Frick winner, he won it in uh, 1997. So you know that that's quite a duo right there. You know, two Hall of Famers in the same booth, and like you said, Herbie and and uh, Tom Hamilton, and you know Joe Tate. We've had great uh, great broadcasters, great play-by-play guys uh, in in Cleveland uh, doing uh, the uh, Cleveland uh, Cleveland baseball team. Yeah, just why why can't we get some some great uh, you know writers to cover the team over the last thirty eight years? I don't <laughs> yeah. I don't understand yeah. what yeah. that's where the shortcoming is, right? Hoyt? That's yeah. right. Yeah, the, the bar <laughs> the bar gets lowered there. There you go. Uh, I, I I gotta say this. It, it'll be fun to to watch just some of the uh, and, and see what they dig up in terms of like old audio broadcasts if they can if they can pull up uh, you know Granny's voice and 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 have him hear him describe some of the uh the action and, and the way it was I, I i love those kind of clips and and just the nostalgia of it and right now all we've got is nostalgia for the game because there's no baseball to talk about other than that uh still uh, locked out and, and a stalemate there hopefully 
uh, in the next couple of weeks here, we get some, some movement in that regard. But uh, for now, we're, we're just uh, sort of uh, sitting on our hands waiting for, for things to happen. Yeah, hopefully things, uh, there's some movement in the negotiations and they can get this thing underway, Joe. But I think we're going to be stuck in neutral for a while. All right. Well, we will be back next week with uh, another five days of uh, prospect countdowns on uh, the, the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Twainsy, we will see you then. All right, Joe.